It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome back, everybody. Good to have you here. As always, it's um, certainly appreciated. It it is just uh, wonderful to have you here. I'm grateful for your support. The show could not be successful without you. Uh, Today on the show, I'm excited to have lawyer Francis Jackson on the show. Francis Jackson is an attorney who specializes in disability law for those seeking veterans' disability benefits and Social Security disability benefits. A founding partner of Jackson McNichol, he has been featured on NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox network affiliates around the country. He most recently appeared as a guest of Ben Glass on the Consumer Advocate Show discussing benefits for veterans as well as Social Security disability benefits and how his law firm allows him to make a difference in the lives of people facing disabilities. He's also been quoted in USA Today and it's listed in Cambridge's Who's Who. Mr. Jackson was honored by the National Academy of Best-Selling Authors with a Quilly Award uh, for his contribution as a joint author in the Amazon best-selling book, Protect and Defend, where he wrote about protecting one's rights to veterans' disability compensation. In 2017, Mr. Jackson, Jackson was inducted into America's Most Trusted Lawyers for his outstanding work in disability, disability law. For more information, you can find out about Mr. Jackson and his team at VeteransBenefits.com, VeteransBenefits.com. Francis Jackson, welcome back. Thank you, Bert. Always a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, always, always glad to have you here as well. I uh, just enjoy uh, having you on the show. And as always, I'm grateful for the work that you guys do there at VeteransBenefits.com. It's so important uh, for those veterans as well as those individuals who are seeking uh, disability benefits. Uh, you know, a while back, uh, we had talked, I guess a couple times, we've always talked about uh, the VA's handling of disability cases. And so I wanted to start off the show by asking you, uh, has there been any big developments in the VA's handling of disability cases? Actually, Bert, that's one really big development. Um, The VA is trying out an an automated electronic system to make decisions on disability claims. the ones that fit within that, they they are convinced they're going to be able to handle in a matter of a couple of days rather than the usual couple of months or more um, at the initial claim stage. So they uh, they are uh, they're working on that, and we'll see. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's a it's a, a pilot project. They're going to uh, start with one type of claim, and if they uh, they can make that work. Then they're they're talking about adding three more different types of claims each year. Um, what what that means is, for example, if they do uh, neck claims this year, you know, as their pilot model, uh, you know, next year they might be able to do back claims and a shoulder claim and a leg claim. You know, they're going to keep trying to once once they get this working, they're going to try and keep adding new claims, and and that really has the potential to substantially speed up uh, some of the claims. What the, what, the, what the automated system is intended to do, as I understand it, is to 
review all the information that's been input uh, by the VA employees about the claim, and if it if the information matches certain criteria, then they'll spit out a recommendation that the claim can be approved. Um, the the uh, the result is always going to be reviewed by a, a live person. I mean, it's not not a a truly automated system in the sense that you put the information in and the, the final result spits out. It, it goes to a person for review, but still, um, it has the potential to speed claims up a, a lot. As as you and I have talked about, the VA has had a lot of trouble with backlogs on even new claims. Um, during the pandemic, their their backlog of new claims, never mind appeals, went from 70,000 to 210,000, so it tripled. Wow. And, you know, they've they've worked hard to to knock that down over the over the last year and they've gotten it down to 180,000, but that's still a, a big number. Um, and one of the other things that has happened is it, it's going up again because, as you and I have talked about, um, they had this new burn pit uh, presumption added so that folks who were exposed to the burn pits could get uh, service connection on a, a much faster and easier basis for things like asthma and sinusitis. So because they've added that new um, area of claims, the, the numbers have gone up again. But, you know, they're, they're trying. I mean, uh, uh, Biden's new secretary of uh, the VA, Dennis McDonough, um, says they, they've already hired a thousand new claims processors and they're trying to hire uh, another thousand. So uh, they've also authorized, excuse me, um, overtime to uh, process claims, and so they're uh, they're they're doing their best to uh, to push this through. But it's uh, you know it's a it's a challenge to work through that that kind of volume of claims. And when you think about it, um, there are there are a bunch of complicating factors. During the whole COVID emergency, um, the VA lost a bunch of employees. Uh, people people quit. People retired. Sadly, uh, the VA had a significant number of older employees, and some of them died from COVID. So it's it's been a it's been a difficult time for for the uh, the VA. Complicated by the whole process of transferring everybody to working from home, and you know all those transitions. So it's been a it's been a real challenge, but uh, they're they're trying at least. That's that's uh, the good news. But this automated claim processing thing that that uh, that's a really interesting approach. And if if they can make it work, it in the long run I think will eventually get claims down to a a reasonable time frame. To me, that's super exciting. I I can see where some of these claims could be fully automated with some kind of AI. Uh, obviously, some cannot be uh, that simple or simplified just because, you know, maybe the details or whatever. But certainly, um, I could see somebody that uh, might be making a claim for benefits regarding the burn pits where the computer theoretically could 
see if this guy, this this veteran's service is connected with burn pits and approve it fairly quickly versus somebody who's making a more complicated type claim might need to have a, somebody actually check it and verify and do whatever. But it is really exciting. It it's, it's, gives us hope. It does, Bert. As you and I have talked about, the, the, uh, the VA's own statistics say that uh, if you have to pursue one of these claims all the way to the uh, Board of the Board of Appeals level takes five to seven years to get a decision. So, you know, anything that they can do to uh, to reduce that is, is obviously a step forward. And this, I, I think, has real potential, as, as you said, uh, putting artificial intelligence to work on this. Uh, it's not that human beings can't do it, but artificial intelligence uh, can do it faster and, you know, doesn't, doesn't need to coffee breaks, bathroom breaks, eight hours of sleep. Uh, so anything you can automate like that has, has got to help. And it, it, won't, it won't do all the claims, as you've said, but if you can do a significant proportion of them, then that frees up the, the uh, people to, uh, to work on the complicated ones. So I think it's a real step forward. Yeah, no, absolutely it is. Uh, Look, if you can, if you can automate, uh, let's just say 10% of the claims, when you're getting whatever 200,000 claims, that's significant to me. Absolutely. All right. So, um, any other developments with the VA? There's there's one other um, very interesting, very promising uh, development on the horizon. The the VA is talking about whether to add some more presumptions regarding burn pit exposure. As you know, uh, we've talked about in the past, the uh, burn pits that were used in the Middle East in particular just put all kinds of carcinogenic stuff in the air. And so the VA is looking at whether one um, rare form of uh, lung cancer and um, uh, uh, sorry, one one lung disorder and several kinds of uh, of uh, cancers um, might be uh, uh, sufficiently shown to be connected to the uh, uh, the burn pits that they can uh, make a presumption. So that's that's a big deal. Uh, you know, the uh, there's a 2010 GAO report that uh, says that more than a thousand known toxins and carcinogens were burned in the pits, uh, including all kinds of stuff from styrofoam, plastics, tires, pesticides, batteries, and medical waste. So lots of, lots of bad stuff there. So uh, they're, they're working on whether they can create a presumption. And if there's a presumption, then, uh, what that lets veterans do is have them jump over the problem of supplying medical proof that their current problem is connected to service. It lets them just make the claim for this particular condition. And as long as they were in an area where they were exposed to the burn pits, the VA would automatically grant the claim for service connection and then rate it based on severity. And 
as you and I have talked about, that would shorten the time for these uh, claims quite dramatically, like it has with the asthma claims for the burn pits. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I, you know, hopefully, hopefully they'll do that. Uh, it, you know, you and I uh, have talked about this before, where it just boggles the mind. And, and this goes both ways. Look, uh, you have these burn pits. You don't have to be a scientist to know when you're burning a bunch of junk, especially things that you mentioned, styrofoam, tires, medical waste, uh, some of these hazard materials, that it's going to have some kind of negative effect on the human body. And, you know, so, so to me, this is, this is a situation that I believe, and this is my opinion, could have been avoided. Uh, and I, you know, and, and maybe somebody said, hey, leaders, uh, should we be doing this without proper equipment? And, you know, knowing that uh, some of the leadership in the military, they probably just said, hey, shut up and get to work. Who knows? But, yeah, sometimes the, what do you call it, uh, what's obvious to some people is not obvious to everyone or whatever. And so, but hopefully, yeah, hopefully they'll get that presumption because it just, it's ridiculous to follow orders and not get the benefits you deserve. Absolutely. All right, so let me ask you this, because here we are, we're, we're still in a, a, you know, fairly new administration. You know, what about legislation in Congress? Any developments there? Yeah. Um, Congress may actually be on the verge of passing the, the most comprehensive legislation dealing with toxic exposures in, in the last 30 years. Uh, and potentially uh, that would grant health care and disability benefits to one out of every five living American veterans, which is a huge big deal. Wow. Yeah. Um, Alternatively, they could be headed for another round of legislative gridlock and uh, inability to get anything done. It's it's hard to know. But um, in in, uh, in in recent months, uh, lawmakers have have really uh, uh, kind of rallied around the the goal of providing better care and benefits for troops that were exposed to toxic chemicals during their military service, but. There was a there was a great quote from the uh, the chairman of the House Veterans Affairs Committee. Uh, he said, uh, "Everybody here wants to do the right thing, but only some of them want to pay for it." <laughs> I, I thought it was just a great quote. That is a very that, that is a delicious quote. Is all I can say. That's hysterically accurate. Yep. So the, the bill is called the Promise to Address Comprehensive Toxics. And, of course, they, the bill <laughs> will now have a fancy acronym. So it's, it's the PACT Act. Um, but it, what it would do is it would provide both um, financial benefits in the form of disability compensation as well as um, a uh, – as medical care for lots of people who were potentially exposed. And, you know, it, it covers all kinds of things, uh, provisions related to the burn pits in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, defoliant spraying for Agent Orange, uh, 
radiation poisoning for veterans during the Cold War and various other kinds of exposure issues. The, the, uh, the veterans community is all solidly behind it, but the, the big issue is objections from uh, people who are looking at the price tag. The, there's nearly a $300 billion price tag over the next 10 years for this proposed bill, and um, a lot of uh, Republican lawmakers, particularly in the Senate, are just saying, you know, that's that's too high a price. We're we're not willing to do it. So it's, um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting to to see where it's all going. Um, but the uh, the good news is it's it's passed the House. Um, sorry, it's 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 been passed out of committee in the House. I, I I misspoke on that, but it's passed out of committee on the House, and so it will be. It will be moving on, um, and there's, a, there's also a great quote from uh, uh, a, uh, a veteran who uh, works with the Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America, and uh, he said, you know, cost wasn't a driver when Congress and the White House sent us to war, so they shouldn't shy away from paying for what was incurred, and I, I think that's a pretty fair assessment, but... Uh, it's hard to know where it's all going to go. The, uh, the chairman of the House Veterans Committee, uh, Mark Takano from California, has really been pushing this hard. And as you may know, uh, John Stewart, the comedian, has um, really gotten involved in these kinds of issues, both with uh, the uh, 9-11 victims from, uh, from the New York area and with the, uh, with the VA. Um, all these toxic exposure kind of issues, and he's been kind of a, a leading voice on this topic. Um, and it's uh, it, it looks like it's it's probably going to pass in some form, um, but the the price tag is uh, is the problem. And I, I don't I don't know how much this is going to get cut back in order to pass. That's that's the issue, and I'm. I'm sure you've seen recently with uh, President Biden's uh, various initiatives, uh, cost has been a, an issue in the Senate, and I, I just can't, uh, can't predict where this is all going. But I, I think they're on the right track, and, you know, it's, it's really a very ambitious piece of, uh, of legislation. It's certainly far more sweeping even than the uh, Agent Orange Act back in 91, and that uh, has had a, a significant impact on getting benefits to veterans who were exposed to Agent Orange. So it's uh, it's really a big deal. They're, they're <clears throat> the legislation includes a list of uh, 23 kinds of cancer and respiratory illnesses that uh, seem to be linked to uh, this toxic smoke and would... Uh, would reduce uh, the, the need for showing medical proof to uh, to get benefits. So it's hard to tell where it's going. Uh, kind of the the uh, the leading uh, opponent in the Senate appears to be uh, Senator Tillis from North Carolina. Um, but the uh, the Senate ranking member on the on the Veterans Committee uh, is a guy from Kansas, Jerry Morin, and he said, well, you know. There are some problems here, but we 
we think that uh, we can we can find something that'll work. So I'm I'm hopeful. Um, you never know where it's where it's all ultimately going to go. But um, Senator Tester, who's the uh, the uh, majority uh, leader on that committee. Um, is, uh, is saying that he thinks uh, that the House bill will pass and the Senate will pass some version and then they can get to the process of reconciling the two, which is, you know, what happens when there are differing bills in the House and Senate on the same topic. But it, uh, it looks like there's a real chance here that, that this may get passed, which would be pretty spectacular for veterans. It would be outstanding, and uh, I'm grateful for uh, our uh, politicians working together. Uh, and, and yeah, those are those are some fantastic quotes. I mean, uh, I love that uh, one quote about you know there wasn't any. They weren't too concerned about uh, the price when they sent us to war, but you know, so they shouldn't be concerned about it now. I, I know I just totally butchered it, but. You know that, that's absolutely correct. I mean, uh, you know, and, and what's so interesting to me is they really, if they're going to spend whatever three hundred billion dollars to go to war, they should factor in, you know, it would at least twenty five percent of that, or add twenty five percent of that for the disability that's going to come after that. It should be a four hundred billion dollar thing with a, you know, anyway, um, we'll move on because. Uh, Again, uh, these guys are trying, and I, you know, I'm, I'm looking this thing up, uh, and uh, uh, you know, l let's just hope that they they get it through. And, and the 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 gentleman that was opposing it, do you do you recall why he opposed it? Cost. It's all about cost. Oh, cost. All it's just about the cost. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, and, and it is significant. Absolutely. All right. Uh, what do you think is the most significant disease that is being considered for presumptive status? Well, there are lots of them, but the one that I would single out is a cancer called glioblastoma. Um, you may remember hearing about that in the news. That's that's the one that killed Senator Ted Kennedy and also Senator John McCain. And, you know, the... the uh, the interesting part of that is uh, glioblastoma is a, a very rare brain cancer. It's inoperable. It's always fatal. But um, it usually hits men primarily and typically in their 60s um, or, or later. But the, uh, the glioblastoma has been the third most common cause of cancer-related deaths in active duty servicemen behind colon cancer and leukemia, which is way, 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 way higher than the normal distribution in the, in the general population. You know, it's, a, it's this weird inoperable brain cancer. Um, nobody has been able to pin down exactly what carcinogens seem to, to cause it, but what they do know is that um, Post 9/11 veterans who uh, who deployed um, and are in VA healthcare, so they can track this. Uh, they had brain cancer, uh, 5.2 cases per 100,000 per year, um, in a, a population 
where the ages were much lower than the typical onset. And the rate among uh, Vietnam and Persian Gulf vets, uh, 6.2 per 100,000 per year. And that's just way, way higher than the, the normal population. Um, the sad part is that only, uh, well, less than 17% of the, uh, the folks who made those claims to the VA were actually approved. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really, uh, it's really a sad situation. I mean, these are people who are going through a terrible, terrible death, uh, suffering over months and, and typically a couple of years. Uh, you know, you, you saw, I think, where Kennedy went through with surgery to try to reduce the tumor and all those things. And it's just, uh, it's an awful disease. And it would be, it would be uh, uh, very nice if the VA would be kind enough to, uh, to get that uh, service connected. You know, it's, uh, it's tough otherwise. We, we uh, had one of those glioblastoma cases that we, we were able to win, but it's very difficult. You know, you, you have a case, you have a disease like glioblastoma, trying to show a link between that, uh, a rare cancer, and exposure five or 10 or 20 years ago, the, the just, there aren't enough statistics to, to uh, make that case easily. It's just um, very difficult. But it's, uh, it's really, a, a, I, I think, an important one to, uh, to fix just because it's such a, a horrible disease. Nobody should be stuck with that without some kind of financial and health care support. And, that's what a presumption would do for them. So I'm, I'm very much hoping that uh, the VA will come through on that. Yes, absolutely. And what, what percentage are being taken care of? Oh, only uh, it, it's 16, 16.7%, I think, uh, is the rate at which those claims have been granted so far. Yeah. That's that's sad, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully they'll do something to do that uh, to take care of that. Uh, let me ask you this, because uh, this is one of those things that I've learned from having you on the show uh, that uh, a lot of people aren't aware of, but that uh, the VA also has educational benefits or uh, or uh, yeah, education benefits. Any developments in the education department? Yeah, uh, you you probably have heard that heard it referred to as the GI Bill, and and there there is a very interesting proposal um, that has passed the House. Um, I don't know if it's going to pass the Senate. Again, you know, it's partly about the price tag. But uh, what it would do, Bert, is it would expand eligibility under the uh, the post 9/11 version of the GI Bill. Um, and it would it would essentially expand eligibility for National Guard and reserve personnel, and I know that uh, that's a subject that's uh, uh, maybe closer to you than than some with your daughter. But um, you know the uh, the way it it currently works, um, the National Guard and, and uh, uh, 
those folks can uh, be called up to serve under both um, Title 10 of the, the U.S. Code, which calls them up for federal service, and Title 32, which calls them up for state service. Um, and right now, the way the uh, system is structured, they get credit for uh, post-GI Bill and for uh, retirement credits and all that stuff if they're called up by the federal government, but not if they're mobilized by the state. And as we've talked about in a, a prior uh, uh, discussion, we uh, have had huge numbers of uh, reserves and National Guard called up uh, over the last year for COVID-related things. I'm sure you've seen on the news where multiple states have, have called up the Guard for uh, to help out with hospitals and uh, uh, to uh, uh, help out in other ways with uh, COVID testing sites and uh, a variety of things to um, to just uh, assist where there were manpower shortages that were critical. And so a lot of those folks are, are having to leave their civilian jobs, um, get the uh, relatively low pay that they get as, as members of the Guard on a, on a per day basis and at the same time not get credit um, for those toward um, their GI Bill benefits or toward uh, retirement. So this uh, bill would at least give them credit toward the GI Bill and make it easier for them to uh, earn the right to get uh, education pay, paid for <coughs> Excuse me, by the uh, by the federal government, and so it's a big deal. But it's it's uh, it's interesting that uh, a lot of folks who are veterans um, in the House <coughs> did not vote in, in favor of this bill. It split a lot of uh, uh, split a lot along party lines. Uh, the uh, a lot of the Republican ex-service members did not vote for the bill, but. Um, enough did so that uh, it went through, um, and you know they're uh, uh, waiting now to see what's going to happen with this bill in the Senate. But uh, the way it works, um, a, a typical person on active duty in the military gets their their whole um, entire entitlement to the GI Bill benefits after 36 months of service, but um, the uh, service members who are uh, in the National Guard and the Reserves don't uh, get credit except for uh, any periods of active duty for training that they're called up for. So uh, their, other, their other time, particularly service in the States, um, doesn't count. So this bill changes that, and now we'll have to wait and see if it goes through uh, in the Senate, but it it looks like it may, and that would be a, a, a good thing. Um, you know, it's nice to see people rewarded for their efforts, and I think um, the efforts of the, the National Guard and the Reserves in the last couple of years have been um, pretty close to heroic. It's just they've, they've been called up here and there and everywhere, uh, time after time, uh, far more than in the 
in any any year for the last several, uh, really any any year since uh, uh, the uh, the Korean War, I think, is, is the, the way the statistics run. But it's it's uh, it's a nice bill. I'm I'm hoping it'll pass the Senate. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that, that's uh, again, that's one of those things that you know when when you look at the marketing and the promises made to our military people who later become veterans, um, you know, they are promised a lot. They are promised a lot because they are sacrificing so much. And, and, and sometimes their sacrifice is not just limited to the, to the soldier, who, to the active soldier. You know, their, their families are part of that sacrifice. And for those who, are, who have families in the military, uh, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, some, you know, uh, National Guard where they take off uh, uh, one week in a month, and then they essentially give up their their vacation. They have two weeks out of uh, during the year where they where they go and they train. And and yeah, and that assumes that they're, that they're not called up additionally. Right. So th- th- there's just a lot there that uh, I think they need to, um, again, it's, it's just a matter of, 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 uh, of honoring those promises. And, and it's, it makes me sad and very frustrated uh, that some of our veterans have to go through so much pain and suffering. And, I'm, again, that's why I'm grateful for what the work that you do. Uh, it's so vitally important, uh, and that's why I want everybody to help share the episode. And if you know of a, of a veteran, have them visit veterans.benefits.com. Maybe don't, they don't need help today. Great. Uh, maybe they've been suffering in silence. This is a way for them to get some help. Um, Francis, uh, we're out of time, but again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for helping our veterans. You guys do some remarkable work. Thank you so much, Bert. Always a pleasure. Thank you, and looking forward to having you back again soon, my friend. Take care. Good stuff there from disability lawyer Francis Jackson. Uh, Guys, it will blow your mind if you were to sit down with Francis and his team and hear some of the war stories that they've had to go through to get some of these benefits, to extract it from our government, it just blows you away. Uh, You will be saddened. You'll be frustrated. uh, And uh, some of these stories will bring you to tears. It's uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, In some cases, Francis and his team uh, have attorneys have worked with uh, some of their cases for over 10 years over years and so if you know of a of a military family please share this episode with them again maybe they don't need help today and hopefully they'll never need help but in case they do they can go to veteransbenefits.com and get the help that they deserve and francis and his team i'm telling you you will not find a nicer more aggressive group of people uh he's a very kind individual And you can probably get that from 
his speech. Uh, he's just uh, dedicated his, him and his daughter to this. Uh, and, uh, and so it is something that they do from the heart. Uh, let me tell you, if they, if they wanted to, they could do what a lot of, you know, there, there's a lot of more uh, financially rewarding ways to make money in, in, in law. Uh, and, but that, uh, but uh, thankfully, Francis and his team have dedicated themselves to helping our veterans, and they need the help. It's sad that they need the help, but it's true. So let's share this episode with everyone you know. Let's tell everybody that you know in the military about VeteransBenefits.com. Do not let our people suffer in silence. As always, my friends, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you so much for sharing the show. I, I am so very grateful for your help. Remember, you were created to continue. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.